I hope you guys are having an awesome, awesome weekend. No school tomorrow. That's a great thing. Um, so hang out late tonight. Take, tell your small group leader to take you out to dinner, something. Um, so you guys are getting some notes right now. We've been in this series at our church called Life of a Jesus Follower. Um, and, and what we've been saying here at Refuge is, man, we've, we've changed the word Christian from an, what it was supposed to be to an adjective. And what an adjective does, if you don't remember English class, is it describes a noun. So, man, Christian music, Christian girls, Christian guys, Christian stuff, Christian church. And we've kind of created this new thing of Christian, and we kind of got it all twisted up. And not necessarily us specifically, but just kind of the world, especially in America. And so, for the last few weeks and for the next couple weeks at Hope and at Refuge, we are saying, okay, what does a Jesus follower actually look like? And we said this, and you guys remember this from last week. We said being a follower... It's not something you, fill in the blank, it's not something you do. Wow, you guys, man, Ben, this is good. They listen to us. It's awesome. Being a follower is not something you do. It's something you are, okay? For instance, I used to be a skater, okay? Any skaters in the house? No, uh, no skaters. That used to be cool. How about this? Is there, are there any hipsters in the house? See, but you can't, you can't admit to being a hipster because then you're not a hipster. See, that was a trick question. But hipsters, or when I used to skate, or maybe you are, uh, you are like some sports player, you're a volleyball player, or you're a football player, or you are a baseball player, or you're a dancer, it's not just something you do. You're not like, yeah, I like to dance. It's, I'm a dancer. Or I didn't tell people I like to skate, and it's pretty much my whole life. It was, no, I'm a skater. I look like a skater. I walk like a skater. I talk like a skater. When somebody said, hey, do you got the new trucks? I didn't think he probably means automobiles that are not cars. I knew he meant the little things on the skateboard that you grind with because I was a skater. I knew the language. I looked the part. And so we're saying, what does a Jesus follower look like? What's a Christian look like? If it's not an adjective, if it's a noun, that means you can be a Christian. That means you can be a Christ follower. So what does it look like? And so for the last several weeks at Hope, we have been talking about that. And really what we've said is you can take the Gospels, which are the part of the Bible where we see Jesus' life, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. That's Jesus' life on earth in story form. We read about it, what he did, where he walked, who he hung out with. And we see that there's these three relationships that he primarily is, you can either take every single story in the Gospels and put them into these three relationships. And they're his relationship with the Father, his relationship with other believers, and his relationship to the world. And we put three words on those three relationships at hope. Does anyone know what they are? Anyone want to be brave? Anybody want to, want to raise their hand and say, man, those are the three relationships who, aren't a, who isn't a leader. Give me one of them, Jordan. Abide. Abide. All right, who's that back? Is that Alec? What is, what's the next one? Connect. So abide is a relationship with the Father. Connect is a relationship with other believers. And what's the one we just talked about this weekend and next weekend? Is that Carson back there? Share. Okay. How many people knew it was share? You're like, I knew the answer. Abide is a relationship with the Father. Connect, relationship with other believers. Share, relationship to the world. And for students, here's how we've packaged it. Because we're trying to take refuge. We're not trying to do our own thing. We're trying to focus in a little bit for students. Here's how we packaged it. We said if you were going to abide, that you would be someone who abides. That's what Ben talked about last week. Did a fantastic job talking about what does it look like to abide in Christ. If you missed it, you've got to listen to the podcast. 
Listen to the podcast from Refuge. Listen to the podcast from our church. We get, man, that, that's the foundation, that we would be someone who abides. And the connect piece for Refuge, we're saying, man, do something. Connect with other believers. Connect in your church. Do something. And share, we're saying, go somewhere. Go across the street. Go across the locker room. Go across the classroom. Go across the, the ocean. Go somewhere. And students can get, get around this. It's not, it's not an adult thing. It's not a big church thing, only exclusively. If you're in sixth grade tonight and you're at refuge or you're about to go to college here in three months, you can get this. That, man, there's a relationship with God, a relationship with other believers in relationship to the world. And uh, here's kind of how we've been saying that in a series statement, and I think this is on your notes. Check it out. It says, today, this is for you, God is calling you to be someone that he uses. It's not you trying to figure out how to do something for God. It's that he's using out of you being someone that he uses to do something and go somewhere to share in the mission. This is everything we're talking about at Hope over the last several weeks. And it's just as applicable for mom and dad as it is for you guys. And for your little brothers and sisters who are in Hope for Kids or VIP, we're, we're teaching the same stuff. And so last week I loved Ben's talk. Um, but Ben said this, it's very important before we jump to do something or go somewhere, be someone who abides is the foundation. Because here's, here's what we don't want you to hear tonight. Very, very clear. If you don't listen to a word I say tonight, listen to this. What we do not want you to walk out of this room thinking is, man, I have got to figure out how to do something for God. That was the struggle when we were planning this series of putting the word do on a board and telling students to do something. Here's what we're not saying. It is not your responsibility to do something for God. Look at that serious statement. It's very clear. It says, God is calling you to be someone that he uses. See, let me try to explain this very, 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 very important difference. Every single day, we wake up in the morning with obligations. Every, every day, everybody in this room has obligations. For instance, first of all, you have to wake up. Some of you hate that. Every time the alarm goes off, you think, this is something I have to do. I have to get my lazy butt out of bed. And then you have to go brush your teeth. Some of you guys are so lazy, you don't even want to brush your teeth. And all of your stank, nasty breath gets all over everyone who isn't that way. And you're like, okay, now i got to make breakfast. Maybe your mom or dad doesn't make you breakfast. So you got to pour yourself Cinnamon Toast Crunch. And you got to pour yourself, um, I heard somebody today, by the way, drinks Coke in their cereal. Seriously, that is, that, there's a lot of documentaries about horrible health on Netflix. You need to check that out. That's horrible. But that's something, you, man, for some of you, you're like, dude, I got to eat breakfast. My mom's always saying to, to eat breakfast. And then, of course, we go to school. Whether you go to school at a Christian school or you go to school at a public school or you go to school at your kitchen table, we have got to do homework. And we've got to do lessons. And we've got to listen to the teacher. And all day, you're hearing this. Do something. Wake up. Brush your teeth. Do your homework. Listen to mom and dad, and then you get home, and you got done with your homework, and all you want to do is kick back and listen to your iPod or go on Facebook, and your mom says, hey, do something. Get off your butt and go vacuum or go do the dishes or go take out the trash, and all day long, you and I hear obligations. It doesn't stop when you get out of high school. It gets crazier. 
Now it's do something, take care of your kids, pay bills, pay taxes, go to work. And it just continues on and on and on and on and on and on. So here's what we very easy for you guys to walk out of here tonight. Oh man, following Jesus is just another obligation. Coming to church, serving in the church, this is what we're going to talk about tonight. Man, it's just something else I got to do. And if we had a list of all your chores, all your stuff you got to make sure you do, that would go on it. Do the dishes, go to school, wake up, brush my teeth, be a Jesus follower. And maybe you'd never say that because, you know, you're in church and you know that's probably the wrong answer. But we think that. Maybe you're here right now and your mom said, you've got to go to church. And you're grudgingly, you're sitting in this seat thinking, I hate this. And you think, man, I've got to be here. Well, yeah, you've got to obey your parents. If they made you come here, I'm glad you're here. But we've got to get away from this mindset that God is saying, you have got to do stuff for me before I'm happy. And that was a great lesson that Ben taught us last week. And he said this. I love, love, love what Ben said. I'm going to quote you right here, Ben, because it was so good. He said, we cannot afford to believe the lie that what you do is better than spending time with God. That's, if you haven't listened to Be Someone talk from last week, you're, you're going to be a little skewed when you walk out of here tonight. I would encourage you, go listen to it, because that is the foundation of everything I'm going to say tonight. That unless you're doing that, doing something isn't going to happen out of an overflow of what God's doing in your life. It's going to happen of you carrying another weight, thinking, here I go to church, serving, getting involved in my small group, Oh, set it down. Thank God that's over. But when you're spending time abiding in Christ, it changes everything. It's an overflow. It's as if you had a bucket right here and a hose, but you couldn't turn off the water. Like you can't turn off God. So you're just, he's pouring into your life, pouring into your life, pouring into your life, and you can't turn it off. And all of a sudden it starts overflowing out of the bucket. And you're like, oh my gosh, what's happening? That's what happens when you abide. He just pours his life in you and it kind of flows out of you and you don't have the off switch. As you're spending time with God, as you're abiding in Christ, it overflows. But as we sit here tonight, you and I have obligations that we carry in here. And you're even thinking about right now, some of you guys got a project to do tonight when you get home. Or some of you guys got to figure out, I have tomorrow off, but man, there's this huge thing that's due Tuesday. Or my exams are coming up. I have to study. Or whatever it is, we just totally carry all this stuff. And here's what we can't do. Put following Jesus in the same box as that, because it's not. And so this week, I've actually had an article I've been saving for refuge for four years, people. This is big. Okay, four years I've been saving this article. Here's what happened. I used to work at a bank, Bank of America. Okay, that's the best bank there is. Just going to throw that out there. And I used to be a teller for Bank of America. I had a suit on. It was awesome. And I started, it was right when I started interning here at Hope, and Candace and I were engaged. And so my, uh, my boss, who was a woman, by the way, she came up to me. She said, Scott, I got to show you this article. She said, you're getting married soon. Here, show this to Candace. And I picked this article up, and I was like, this is God's gift to me and my marriage. Because here's what it's called. It's the Good Wife's Guide, okay? And this is just an example of things. Now, this is a real article from Housekeeping Monthly, May 13th, 1955, okay? Old school. It's old school, okay? 
But here's an example of what I'm talking about. This is just one example. We have modern day ones where people are saying, if you want to be a good wife, if you want to be a good husband, if you want to be a good Christian, if you want to be a good student, if you want to be a good son, a good daughter, a good friend, here's what you do. We might have an article about it, but we have all these thoughts in our heads. So it's funny, but we carry these burdens. But for you ladies, listen up. You boys, let me just tell you, this is not real life. At all. At all. My wife is not here tonight. She's watching our kids at home. And uh, she, when I first showed her this article, she laughed the whole time. Like, hey, just so you know, that's not going to happen. Um, here's a good wife's guide. Nine things that women should do according to Housekeeping Monthly, 1955. First one, have dinner ready. Plan ahead. Even the night before to have a delicious meal ready on, on prompt time for his return. This is a way of letting him know that you've been thinking about him all day. And are concerned about his needs. Most men are hungry when they get home. And the prospect of a good meal is part of a warm welcome needed. It gets awesomer. Be very happy to see him and a little more interesting for him. His boring day may need a lift. And one of your duties is to provide that. Minimize. I'm telling you boys, just get it out of your head. This is real life, okay? It's just not. It it wouldn't even be cool if it is. This is crazy. Uh, Minimize all noise. At the, time of his, uh, at the time of his arrival, eliminate all noise of the washer, dryer, vacuum, and encourage the children to be quiet. I'm just saying, I have a two-year-old, two-and-a-half-year-old, and a seven-month-old, and that's not the case. I walk in, and Bryce is just screaming. He's like buck naked. just ah! And Avery's like chewing on like a cord. And Candace is running around. She's like, thank God you're home. Take care of the kids. That's, that's how it rolls, okay? Not the children aren't sitting there in their Sunday's best waiting for daddy to get home with a steaming meal. On the, that's not how it works. Listen to him. You may have a dozen important things to tell him, but the moment of his arrival is not the time. Let him talk first. Remember, his topics of conversation are more important than yours. Don't complain, ladies. Don't complain if he's late for dinner or even stays out all night. Count this as a minor compared to what he might have gone through at work. Make him comfortable. Have him lean back in a comfortable chair. Have a cool or warm drink ready for him. Arrange his pillow and offer to take off his shoes. Speak in a low, soothing voice and make sure you are pleasant. Two more. This is crazy. But seriously, remember, this is, we carry these things. Maybe not these, these are like obviously hardcore, but you carry these things, these things you feel like you gotta do and following Jesus might be one of them. Don't ask him questions about his actions or question his judgment or integrity. Remember, he is the master of the house and as such will exercise his will with fairness and truthfulness. You have no right to question him. The last one is very simple. A good wife always knows her place. That's real. That's a real article. That's just not, I love you ladies, and I'm telling you, this is not real life, okay? So it's not real life. But that's real life in 1955. That's a whole different world. But seriously, check it out. We have those. Man, you would never say it, but you arrange your life around how to be a good this, how to be a good that, how to be a good this, how to be a good that. And one of those is a good Christian. And we have these lists 
And one of them is I got to do something for God. And we hear all day long about these obligations. But the, the difference, the big key awesome difference in the gospel, in Jesus Christ, in a relationship, in abiding and being someone who abides in Christ, is that that is not something we put in a box that is I have to. Abiding in Christ, being in a relationship with Jesus, and enjoying the joyful fruit of that is a get-to. It's not a have-to, it's a get-to. Whatever you're most passionate about, whatever just fires you up, that's a relationship with Jesus. It's not a, man, I have to eat this awesome ice cream sundae. It's, I get to eat this. I get to enjoy this good and perfect gift. And a relationship with Jesus has for too long been in the have-to category. And what we're trying to do in this series at Hope is say it's not a have-to, it's a get-to. Doing something, him doing something through you is a get-to. God is pressing his life through us. And out of that spills out a couple things that we're going to talk about tonight. And so if you have your Bibles, open it up to Acts chapter 2. That's kind of the big setup. We're going to talk about two things tonight real quick. The band's going to come up, rock some more worship, and we're going to have a chance to respond. But here in Acts chapter 2, we're going to read in verses 42 through 47. If you've been around church a while, you've heard this, man. This is good. This is, this is the church. And we, we aspire to be this type of people. Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. Here's what it says. They, meaning the Christians at that time, were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. And all those who had believed, so all the Christians, were together and had all things in common. Listen to this community fellowship togetherness that we hear in these verses. Verse 45, and they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all as anyone might have need. Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day, those who were being saved. Here's what Acts 2 says. There is a people that got be someone, do something, go somewhere. They got abide, connect, share. Because here's what's happening. They're abiding in Christ, verses 42 through 43. 44 through like 46 are like doing something. Man, they're doing something in community. They're connecting. They're living life together. There's this togetherness with these Christians. And then God is bringing people to them, unbelievers. They're going somewhere. And out of Jerusalem, these people are coming in. And God is adding to their number daily. All across the world, we hear of the Acts 2 church. We desire to be that. And I think we are. Man, I think there are some aspects of hope, a lot of aspects where we are really abiding and connecting and sharing. And we want our students to wrap our heads around that. And so tonight, as we talk about do something, out of the overflow of what God's doing in you, I feel like there's two ways that we're going to talk about. Two ways you and I do something. Not tomorrow, not not. Five years from now, when we're older, right now, in a few minutes, when we break off in a small group, and the next week is we process all this stuff. So here's the first one, and it's on your notes. Two ways we do something. The first one is we do something in community. You hear it in Acts 2. Man, they are literally living life together. They are eating together. They are selling possessions so that other people who don't have as much can have stuff. There's just this community, this fellowship, this togetherness that they have. 
And so the first thing that God, that we believe as, as, as God pours his life into us and we spend time with him and we're abiding in Christ, the first thing that's spilling over is just an aspect of community, man. We as Christians are going to rally together and understand we're on the same team. Whether they go to Hope or they go to Central or they go to South Hills or they go to Church South Las Vegas, wherever we go, man, as Jesus followers, we're on the same team. And there's community among Christians. I love what, what Vance said. Pastor Vance said this in his talk about community. He said, my relationship with God. Check it out on the screen. My relationship with God grows by fellowship with God's family. Here's what that means. If you hold yourself up in a room and spent time with God every single day for hours and hours and hours, but you never got out and spent quality time with other believers and and lived life with other Christians, you would miss out on God's best for you. That sounds crazy. That that you're spending time in the Bible over and over again. But God says, man, I've created you for community. That there's aspects that you might not be able to learn in that time all by yourself on an island that I want to teach you through your small group leader or through your best friend or through somebody else who loves me and is also pursuing me. So I guess the question for us tonight, and I want this to be as practical as possible. Are you living life in community? Here's what I mean by that. Are there people around you that are pushing you towards Jesus? Some of you, man, I've talked to you and you have friends and every single one of your friends is a non-believer. Hey, that's good. If you have no non-believing friends, that's bad. But if every single one of your friends doesn't know Jesus, then here's what you are. You are on an island as a Jesus follower and you are like hanging out. It's like going on a hike all by yourself in, 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 you know, Zion. Hiking all by yourself. You're, you're, if you fall, if you get stranded, if there's ever a time that, 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 that you need somebody to come around you, you're alone. And the sad part is, I think for students specifically, a lot of you live that way. You're fired up for God, man. I'm a Jesus follower. I'm a Christian and a refuge. I love it because there's just so many, so many Christians around me. But when I actually step into my real world at my school, I'm the only Christian I know. I feel like the Bible tells us that that's dangerous. I went on a dirt bike ride one time with my brother, and my brother was like a year older than me, and as you know, I was really, really small, and he was a normal-sized human. And so he, he was like always way ahead of me. And there's one time where he, was, he had to be two miles ahead of me, and I'm going through these things called whoops, okay? So I'm on these whoops, and they're basically these big. And I'm on my dirt bike, and I'm just killing them. It's awesome. But all of a sudden, I get really, really crooked. And I didn't know at the time that if you're crooked like that, you have got to be on the gas when you land so it'll straighten out. I didn't know that. I just freaked out and let go. And so I let go, and my bike just hits the dirt, and I go flying what felt like a mile, and I'm just on the ground, and my whole helmet was all jacked up, except this part of my nose was, like, exposed, and so I had this huge gash on my nose, and I literally laid there for, like, 25 minutes, bleeding and, like, totally jacked up, because my brother was two miles ahead of me, and I was all by myself, and I don't know if you have a similar story, but I feel like a lot of you guys are in that boat right now in your faith. That you are all by yourself. If you fall, if you have a, a moment of temptation and you fall, or you're, there's a situation going on with your family, or there's just junk going on in your life, and you're just broken, and like you don't have the strength, and you're like, I don't know what to do, and there's nobody around you, you're like I was, laying in that dirt, jacked up and bloody, and I was helpless until my brother realized, I think my brother died. I'm going to go find him. And he finally turned back, and like seriously, half an hour later, he pulls up, and I'm just like sitting there, just all jacked up. 
And some of you guys are in the dirt right now and there's nobody around you as a Christian that can say, hey, I want, I want you to come up. Come up, let's hang out. Let, let's do life together. Let's have a support system here. Next blank is Christians need community. That's what we've been talking about. Do you have that? It's all over the Bible. Christians having community. And not only do Christians need community, but we believe that community creates accountability. It's like, what is that word? Here's what accountability means. Accountability is there's people in my life and hopefully people in your life that when they see things that might not line up with scripture or there's things in your life that just need to be asked a lot of questions. For me, it's, man, what does it look like for me to be a student pastor and a dad and a husband and a friend? Man, if there's not people in my life asking me questions that challenge me and push me towards being the best I can in those areas, I'm on an island. And it's dangerous. I'm like I am when I'm on my dirt bike and my brother's two miles ahead of me. I'm all by myself. So for you, as a Jesus follower, as a student, as a son, as a daughter, as a friend, are there anybody around you asking you the tough questions? Maybe it's your small group leader. Maybe it's your best friend. Somebody who claims Jesus and pursues him with their life, are they asking you any questions? Are you doing life with them? Other than what we do after refuge, is there any time where you're just in community with other believers? And if not, I feel like you are on an island and it's a dangerous place to be because there's no one speaking into your life. Two ways to do something. One, do something in community. Two, do something in your church. Not only as we are abiding in Christ, is his life gonna spill out over into community and us just growing in fellowship with other believers But also there's this maturity thing that we find all over scripture, especially in Jesus's life, where he becomes a servant. In Matthew chapter 20, Jesus is talking to his disciples and he says this, he says, whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant. Here's what that's saying. The greatest people among us, the people who want to be great, who want to succeed, those aren't the people necessarily that have all the Instagram likes and are the popular ones at school. That's what the world kind of sets up on a pedestal of these are the cool people. But Jesus says the people who are the greatest among you are the people who serve. The God of the universe with these nasty disciples' feet that stepped in dirt and junk all day long, the God of the universe incarnate as a man washed their feet. Greatest picture of servant leadership ever. And how we are kind of packaging that is, are you serving anywhere? I'm not saying your church, we're going to talk about that in a minute, but are you, are you serving people in your school? Are you serving your family? And here's what I mean by serving. Are you just, are you, are you just saying, man, I want, as God pours his life into me, I want to pour my life out, and I, I just want to serve you, whether that's, I want to buy you lunch, or whether that's, man, I want, to, I want to help you because you're in need, and I want to help you right now, or in your church, that's, I want to work in the kids' ministry. I want to do something at Refuge, because out of the overflow of what God's doing in my life, man, I, I'm overflowing, and I need somewhere to put it. That God is doing so much in my life. I'm in community, but I'm also serving. I'm also getting plugged into my church. So are you doing that? If we, if we see in, this, in scripture that it's a sign of maturity, that it's a sign of as Jesus says, whoever wants to be greatest among you, whoever desires to be first must become last. 
You must say, instead of being the pinnacle here and everyone thinking I'm the best, I'm the most awesome person around, I'm going to step down here and I'm going to serve. And Jesus says, that's the place where the greatest live. That's convicting for me. It's really easy to attain, to want to try to attain to what the world says is success, what the world says is leadership. So are you getting plugged into community? Are you living life with other people? Are they pushing you towards Jesus? If there's nobody in your life pushing you towards Jesus, we would say you're on an island and that's a dangerous place to be. There's no accountability. There's no community. And is there any area of your life where you're serving? Are you a servant? Are you serving in your church? Are you serving your family? Are you serving your friends, your school? I'm going to invite the band to come up. Here's what I want you guys to do. Just take a minute. I want you to bow your head for a minute. I just want to kind of lead us through a time just to process this. I know that was a lot. And I want to challenge you with something. So this isn't just another sermon, another talk, another thing you hear at church that tells you you got to do something. That's exactly what I wanted to stay away from in this talk. Listen, this isn't another push for you to carry another weight, another burden. I want to challenge you guys in two ways. One, get engaged in your small group. Here's what that means. Every week after Refuge, we break for small groups. You're going to go back in a few minutes, and you're going to hang out with some people that are just your same age, your same gender, and, they're going to, and you're, you're totally being led by awesome, spirit-filled leaders. But it's really easy for you and I to fade back, not say a word, not get engaged, not care, and just pray for 8 o'clock to hit so we can get out of there. We would say you are missing what I believe is the best part of Refuge. Seriously, man, I love teaching. I love when we worship, man. I'm a worship leader. I love singing. I love praising God. I love the videos we show. I love all the fun aspects of what just went down. But the most meaningful, I feel like the most ground that can be covered, the most forward you can push in your relationship with Jesus is gonna happen here in 10 minutes. Because it's a picture of what the gospel points us to, and that's community. Living life with other Jesus followers, challenging ourselves as we are challenged by other people's relationship with God. So get engaged, man. Are you, are you meeting with anybody, man? Your small group leader, do you have their phone number? Do you have anybody in your small group's phone number? Get it tonight. So when that situation goes down, when you're in the dirt, you don't know what's going on in your life, you can say, hey, Micah, hey, Brittany, hey, Shar, I need help. Something's going on, man. My parents, I think they're, getting, I think they're splitting up. Or, man, my best friend, his mom's on a hospital bed right now. With all the different changes you guys got going on in your life right now, you do not need to carry that weight. Jesus didn't intend you to. That's why he gave you other believers around you. Second is, get engaged in serving. Man, be a, be a servant leader. In a world that pushes you to do everything but serve, that pushes you to be lazy in every way, see 
what the gospel calls you to, and that's to serve. That's to be like Jesus. And to get plugged in into serving. So as we sing, there is a card in front of you that we just says, do something on it. Here's what I want you to do. If you feel like, man, I'm not serving anywhere. I'm not getting plugged in anywhere. I want you to fill that card out. And we're going to start putting some feet to what we talk about here at Refuge. And starting as soon as we get all this compiled information, we're going to say, okay, there's a setup team at Refuge. You're going to work in the kids ministry. There's a connect team, people that are connect with other believers. You can join the band and serve with your gifts of music. You can be a part of the big church team where you're going to be a a team of people that targets new students that show up at big church with their family. And we're going to get them plugged into refuge and get them plugged into community. Don't fill it out because you feel like you have to, because you feel like you have to carry another burden. Fill it out because you know you're not plugging in anywhere and God's called you to serve.